everybody. How are you doing? How are you living? If you're paying attention to the news, you know it's crazy out there right now. But hey, we want to give you at least 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour, depending on how long this episode goes, uh, a break from what's going on in the crazy world today. Yesterday's episode that we dropped was all about the AFC playoffs um, and some of the news going on. And now it's time to go ahead and break down the NFC playoff matchups that are happening this weekend in terms of the wild card games. Uh, we do have three big games to get into, you know, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks round three, the Chicago bears coming into playoffs at eight and eight versus the new Orleans saints. And then we get Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus a seven and nine Washington football team. And you talk about a franchise who's just been through the ringer this year between allegations to the owner, former front office members, uh, the type of conduct that was taking place in their inappropriate uh, actions that were taking place within that facility and front office and higher management. And then Ron Revere getting cancer. The logo is removed. The team names removed. FedEx almost pulled, you know, their sponsorship. Nike stopped making their merchandise because of what they were being called as the Washington Redskins. That name is no longer there. We all know it is the Washington football team. Then you get Alex Smith. You get that storyline, you know, in his redemption type tour, you know, a guy who thought he was going to lose his life, lose his leg, maybe never be able to play football again, walk again, had to have everything restructured, numerous amounts of surgeries. And he's back leading this team to the playoffs. And there's a chance, you know, depending on how this episode goes today, but Trace and I, we've discussed it before. There's a possibility that the Washington football team upsets the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if they do, oh, my God, what a story it's going to be. I'm sure the Internet's going to explode. And Alex Smith is just going to, in my mind, he's already a legend for what he did in Kansas City to transform everything and help groom Patrick Mahomes. If he can do it in another city, in another franchise, like Washington with the stuff that's going on this week as well. Uh, the first week of 2021 has pretty much said, hey, 2020, hold my beer. This is where we're at. Two minutes into this, Trees hasn't said a word, but boy, he's doing a hell of a lot of coughing over there on mute. But how are we doing, man? Aside from the the hacking. Yeah, seriously. I don't know what I just ate that made me cough, but here I am. But I'm gonna power through it, you know, because I'm an athlete and I'll uh, you know, I'll just fight my way through it. It's that, uh, it's that X factor of just it, really, it really I is. Be, I might be coughing hosting a podcast, ain't gonna stop me, ain't gonna slow me down. Yep, not with that mute button, that's for damn sure. <laughs> All right, so I like how you said, like, I hope that Alex Smith does it in another city. Bitch, he did this in a city before Kansas City, and that's Salt Lake City. He put Utah on the map. He, he Him and Urban Meyer made it so Utah went from this BCS buster, the original BCS buster. Yes, we are, not Boise State, whoever wants to try to say Boise State is. We are better than them. And then... Now we are the Pac-12. So those two, again, Urban, come to come to Jacksonville. Just make it right. Alex, win a playoff game. Make it right for Utah as well. It, it's going to be a great. It's just a great scenario. You know that is a good point that I hadn't thought of. But you know our listeners that ring true there in Utah, they're like, hey, they're clapping at you right now. You know, one, they're clapping because you're powering through this cough. That's hurting you right now hashtag survivor justin trees and the fact that you bring up a great point like that and if urban meyer does go to jacksonville which is back to you trace for this i mean you gotta urban meyer has a lifelong fan of justin trees of the trees family i should say 
He already does. I'm a huge Irving guy, but yes, um, if he comes to Jacksonville, he obviously even at 12 million. I mean, that's a lot of money, but like, fuck it. Like, Is whatever. it though? I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money. Like, if you think about it, twelve million dollars is a lot of money for coaches. Okay. I, I think that would make him what the highest or second highest paid coach in the NFL. I, I believe it would be the highest. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still all for it. So that's where we're at. But here we go. Let's just let's get into the episode. Let's get into Tree Sivia. So Tree Sivia. 2020 season is officially done, right? We're in the playoffs, but the season is is complete. We all know this. So, yep. Austin, what do you think the record is for the home teams in 2020? Ooh. So, like also, percentage I, wise? No, overall record. Uh, I mean, you could do percentage wise as well, and I can do the math. But, and if you don't know, there's 256 games in a season. Thank you so much. Um, I'm trying to think because I felt like there were a lot of road wins this year because, you know, fans not being in the stadium, it really removed that home field advantage. Like we saw Green Bay go into New Orleans and pick up a big win. Um, just, man, there were a lot of games like that. Like Kansas City even did it in Buffalo and Baltimore and, you know, they did it in New Orleans as well and in Tampa Bay. And, you know, at that point, there were some fans, but not enough to make that much of a difference on what we're used to seeing there. The Raiders picked up a huge win in Arrowhead as well. Um, out of the 256 games, I would say the home team won at least 150 of them, at least half, right? Uh, lower. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just say it. So for the first time ever, the home teams had a losing record. Wow. 127, 128 and one. Shit. And that one tie was Cincinnati and Philadelphia. Correct. Yep. So if they that home team would have won, it would have been a complete, an absolute split down the middle, 50-50. But for the first time ever in NFL history, home teams had a losing record at home. As a whole, not every team. Damn, I was pretty close. 150, you know, with that one, you know, half mark. Yeah. Yeah, 128 is the half mark, but yes. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like 150 to like half the games. Got it. Not Understood. calling 150 half. I, math, yeah. Math. Math is difficult. Yeah. But I don't want people thinking uh, he's like, oh my God, he just called 150 half of 250. Freaking no. Okay. Freaking no. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> all right. Okay. So there we go. There's a true Sivia. I decided, well, no, I'm going to go all in. We're going to just start having tree civias more often. So I say that and then watch us go like the next like six episodes with that one. But that's my goal. Let's do it. All right. 2020 resolutions. On. Yeah. I actually saw an awesome tweet that was like December 37th, 2020. Well played or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. It's actually not 2021 yet. Um, all right. So moving on. NFC. So like you said, we went over the AFC. Going over it again. We both picked the Bills. We both had the Colts covering that six and a half point spread. Uh, For the Ravens-Titans game, you took the Titans. I took the Ravens. Baltimore, or sorry, the Browns game, we both took the Steelers in that game. So 
Moving on, let's start with just the first game that's going to happen for the NFC, which is the afternoon game of Saturday. It is the Los Angeles Rams heading to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Um, Still no word on if uh, Goff is going to be playing. So that is the big thing. He he has not announced, Sean McVay, that is, has not announced who's going to be his starting quarterback. It does sound like Cooper Cup is going to be back, though. So here's my thing. Even when Goff was playing, Seattle like was making him struggle. But also, I've said that I think that the Rams' defense is built for playoff. Like I think they are built for playoff success. It really sucks that these two play each other. You've said it. I know I've said it. We both thought like there was a good chance that an NFC West team between these two was going to be the representatives in the NFC, and. Now they play each other round one, which sucks. Uh, I actually, like, I like when division rivals play each other because those games are a little bit more fun because they already know each other. So, like, mm-hmm. you feel like they have to be way more creative. But I kind of didn't want these two to play each other round one. With that, that all being said, I'm going to take Seattle, one, because I took them to be in the Super Bowl at the start of the year, and I want to keep that going. Uh, I think that it's a very low scoring game, like how it was when they played a couple weeks ago. I think that even though Seattle's offense is good, I think the Rams defense slows them down. But the difference is, is Seattle's defense is going to cause havoc and cause a lot of turnovers if Goff is playing or not. And they're going to get in good field position where they're going to be able to get an extra couple field goals by turnovers in this game. And it's going to be just too much for uh, the Rams to overcome it. Honestly, what I'm hoping for, I hope Blake Bortles gets in the game and it's and it's Ramsey and Blake Bortles show again. <laughs> God damn it. There ain't no way. And I say there ain't no way. There's always a chance. You never know, especially if Jared Goff isn't playing. Seattle is favored by three and a half for this game. It is in Seattle. I just think, you know, Jamal Adams has come out today too, or yesterday, I should say, for you guys listening. And you know, it was asked like, Hey, are you like playing this weekend? Like, how are you feeling? And it was pretty much just like, yeah, no shit. I'm pl- the first time I'm in the playoffs in the NFL. I'm playing. I'm going to make it work. He's dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury. We went over it in yesterday's episode with the tree. Sibia dude's got nine and a half sacks most in league history for, excuse me, a safety. And he's going to make an impact here against the Rams too. him coming off the edge is going to be a difference maker for the Seattle Seahawks uh, against the Rams. And really what they're going to have to try and figure out is if they can get the run game going. Because if they can't get the run game moving with, you know, a quarterback that doesn't have much starting experience and you're wanting this guy to drop back 40, 50 times this game in the playoffs to get the ball down the field, good luck, guys, because, shit, this kid's still got a LinkedIn profile. He's listed as a professional athlete for the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, fuck. That right there is a losing recipe. Now, you want Jared Goff to come back, but here's the other thing. If Jared Goff does come back, and I'm not going to sit here and question his toughness, but is this guy built to to play in the playoffs right there with a damaged thumb that he just had surgery on? He's going to have that splint type deal that we saw Drew Brees have on a couple years ago when he was dealing with a hand injury. Uh, I think it was actually last year when Teddy Bridgewater kind of came in and filled for him uh, for the four or five games that he missed. Drew Brees had to come back and play with one of those. Tom Brady had to as well when he sliced his hand open uh, on a teammate's helmet. That was kind of the the mechanism that he had to have or contraption, I should say, on his hand and throwing 
hand and thumb and all this, just a bunch of hand shit, all right? It's going to be difficult for Jared Goff to come into Seattle and play in the cold game with Jamal Adams coming off the edge, Carlos Dunlap in the middle, and the speed that they have at linebacker in the secondary. I just don't know if Los Angeles can match up to it, and I say this, we're going to see Cooper Cup, Robert Woods have a big game. You know what I mean? Like the tight end Higby for Los Angeles could be a factor as well. It's it maybe it's one of those quick things is like if Jamal Adams blitz, hurry up, dump the ball off, replace a defender that's no longer there, and you go. You mentioned how Los Angeles defense is built for the playoffs. Seattle's offense is going to be scary. That's what I'm excited to see is how does Russell Wilson look here in the playoffs once again with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and then Chris Carson, you know, running the ball. Like, it's going to be nice to see Seattle finally have their running backs ready to go um, and able to play. And Russell Wilson's going to make magic happen, as always. But if once they get the running game going, you know, and then you got Russell Wilson rainbowing, dropping the ball in the breadbasket, this is going to be a fun game to watch. I hope this turns into a shootout. I hope it doesn't turn into one of those defensive matchups. I want both these offenses going back and forth. I want Russell Wilson cooking, let Russ cook. I want that hashtag all day, or I should say all game, because we get three matchups on Saturday. But this is going to be a fun one to watch in between those two AFC games, or excuse me, after the AFC game, because directly after them goes into Washington, Tampa Bay. This is going to be a very fun game. I know I just said that, but I'm freaking pumped for it. This is going to be a fun first round of the NFL playoffs this weekend. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So you're taking Seattle then, right? Just so One, yes. I'm clear here. Yes. Okay. I actually would – I actually will say that I think that uh, Bears-Saints might be a little bit. I think this is either the lowest scoring game or second lowest scoring game of the of the weekend. This oh, is man, Rams for real? <clears throat> yeah, the Bears-Saints one is the only other one that I could see. The over-under is 42 and a half. Yeah. I lost a seven-game parlay a couple weeks ago on this because uh, I chose the over on the on the Rams Seahawks game and it was under by like twenty-five points. Fuck Yikes. that! Yeah, it sucked. That was that lost me like two and a half, like two thousand three hundred bucks or something like that. I don't know, something like that. What? Anyways, yeah. Um, oh my god, dude! I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it sucked. But I mean, that's why you should do not seven game parlays and maybe five because you have a better odd. But, you know, look at that. Look at that. So, all right. Bucks, Washington, the night game on Saturday. Again, seven and nine, Washington, 11 and five bucks. Tom Brady back in the playoffs. He doesn't miss the playoffs. He's just on a different team. New uniform, whatever. It doesn't matter. So here you have Mike Evans, who thank goodness avoided a serious injury last week. That looked, that looked gnarly when he went down. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a Washington DBs that are complete garbage to be honest. They are not very good. Uh, Washington's linebackers are improving. They're doing good. And then their pass rush, obviously one of the best in the NFL, but we've talked about this numerous times. I'm not going to keep saying it, but I'm going to say it one more time. We've seen it where Tom Brady beats a pass rush by just getting the ball out quick. But also, that's not really the style of offense that Bruce Arians plays. So that is kind of my worry there. As like Bruce Arians goes, nope, we're going to just keep doing the offense that I like, and we're going to just have to protect you. Um, so I could see some big plays from 
um, Montez Sweat and Chase Young and all of those guys. Yep. But <clears throat> the main thing is I actually don't see how this offense can do any Washington's offense can do anything against the Bucks defense. So the Bucks defense, one of the best, I think they're ranked first or second at stopping the run in the NFL. And then they also have these amazing linebackers with speed in David and in white who are going to be able to watch for those very short routes and the routes from the running backs out of the backfield. And that is how Alex Smith maneuvers and with the tight end. And again, those linebackers are very good at covering tight ends. So I actually think that I really do want, I I will be rooting for Washington in this game, 100%, but I am going to take the bucks to win this game. And it is not because of the Brady led offense. It is the Devin white led defense. I think that's, you know, a very fair point there. Um, This is also Tom Brady's first road wild card game. Um, Once again, let me try and reiterate that in a better phrase here. This is the first time Tom Brady has played on the road uh, in the first round of the playoffs as a wild card. He's usually hosted those games at home. Um, And it's crazy to think, and I don't know why it just kind of like processed and clicked for me again, but like, this game is, in fact, in Washington. Like, Washington gets to host a playoff game because they won their division. They're right there at the fourth seed. And it's kind of one of those holy shit, like, wow, Washington is the one hosting this game with Tampa Bay coming into town. Um, it is going to be a little cold this game. I believe it's going to be 44 degrees at kickoff um, and a little cloudy. So within that, Tom Brady's used to playing New England. That's not going to be a factor with him. But maybe with some of those other Tampa Bay receivers, you know, are they stretched out, ready to go? I'm sure they will be. Alex Smith's used to the cold as well, experienced playing in the playoffs with Kansas City. He's here with Washington. Um, Tampa Bay's favored by eight this game. You mentioned Tampa Bay winning. If anything, I think Washington covers that. I don't think this is going to be one of those blowout games because – I do believe this defense is going to be able to wreck havoc and get to Tom Brady and force a turnover, whether it's a sack fumble, you know, or getting a ball deflected at the line of scrimmage and it it turns into an interception or he's launching the ball downfield and someone in that secondary is coming up with the play. Now their secondary is not the best, but they do have some guys with the experience there. So it's not like they just have a bunch of young, you know, inexperienced type of players that haven't been in a moment before. Like they have Kendall Fuller who had the game ceiling interception last year for Kansas city in the super bowl. You know, you get that guy here, you give him the ability to lead the secondary, you know, in a defensive line that trace mentioned, it can get to the quarterback at will. And the Buccaneers offense is not that dink and dunk type of deal up the field. You mentioned Alex Smith and the linebackers for Tampa Bay. I think with that is Alex Smith, has been noted as a check down Charlie so much in a way that he's freaking perfected being that it's like, is he going to check down to the running back? Or is he going to check down to the tight end in the middle of the field? Or is he just going to surprise us and hit someone deep down the sideline as he kind of trots off to the right side or the left side gets his feet set and launches that puppy. I think Alex Smith has enough experience here against Tom Brady that this is going to be a fun game. And it would be nice to see it turn into somewhat of an offensive battle, I would like to see Antonio Gibson get rolling on the ground game as well and kind of get some of that respect that he deserves because he's a guy that really came in for Washington and took over the running back position um, after they had to release their star running back um, in Darius Geis. I I shouldn't say star, but, you know, a guy who they thought was going to be the future of the running back position for them 
you know, was kicked off the team, was released. And, you know, the allegations that were there for him and the, the crime that he committed, I believe it was domestic abuse, Chase, remind me if I'm – or correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but Washington came in like, who's their quarterback? Who, you know, who's going to be the running back? Who's their tight end? What's the offensive line going to look like in this defense? Is it any good? You know what? They figured out a way to win seven games and win their division amongst all the adversity that this franchise and organization has dealt with. And I think they come into this game ready to play. Now, hopefully some of the other stuff that's transpired this week doesn't become too much of a distraction because it's resulted in, you know, a political debate once again. And we're in this time period where it can't be ignored. So, you know, athletes are not ignoring this as well. How is the Washington football team reacting to it with it being in their city near the stadium and everything taking place? It is something to kind of keep an eye on. But once again, I'm kind of with Trace here. I picked Tampa Bay to win. I am rooting for Washington all the way, though. Like this is another one of those games where it can be like a win-win situation, kind of what I said yesterday with the Buffalo Bills and Colts game. Like kind of going to pick Buffalo to win. But if the Colts do, it's like, hey, I told you. Same thing here with Washington. I said Buccaneers are one of the teams that, you know, out of the top five teams that are ranked in the playoffs here for the NFC, I look at Tampa Bay as the team that, you know, is the most has, how did I word it, Treese? Is one of the teams, gosh, dang it. Now I'm stumbling over my words here. Is the team that has the biggest possibility of losing or choking in a way. I just think there's something there between Washington and Tampa that something, you know, just dismantles the Buccaneers and they're going home in a first round loss against Washington. And we're sitting here like, dude, the NFC East sucked all year, but they somehow find a way to win here in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I will say what I'm super excited about this game is Ron Rivera going for it on fourth down, like every single time. Like I, I love it. Like I love that he does it and it's going to, it's going to make things interesting. It'll probably make it. So Bruce Arians wants to do it as well. So that might make this game a little bit more exciting. All right, moving on to the last NFC game for the weekend, and that is the Chicago Bears. Yes, the Chicago Bears made the playoffs. The Chicago Bears that Austin said was going to have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft at the start of the season um, versus the New Orleans Saints. And we have the Saints. They're coming in. It's Drew Brees now, and they started looking good on Christmas, obviously, but that was a whole bunch of running. Um, They looked pretty good last weekend. Their defense is studly. Uh, we can't forget their huge run that they had at the start of the year, and then they just lost a couple in a, in a row. That kind of made everybody like wonder if this team is real. And then Chicago, again, we've talked about Montgomery a ton. Uh, we obviously talk about Allen Robinson a ton, a ton on this episode with me being a Jags fan and I, how I think he's the most underrated receiver in the NFL. Um, you got Trubisky, who's actually playing well. So, And then you have this defense that is – playing very very close to what they were a couple years ago it's funny because when we started this podcast we said there was basically a two two year window of this defense this is the end of year two so um we'll see if that ends up being true when we head into next season but this is the afternoon game of sunday so that is where we're at i've chosen the favorite in every game so far and the I, it's just not going to happen. There's not going to be a favorite in every single game. Um, the, the hard one is the Titans versus the Ravens, right? Because the Ravens are uh-huh. favorites, but the Titans are the higher seed. <laughs> like, so that's like yeah. kind of weird, but um, 
Yeah, I kind of want to take the Bears. I do I kind, it. I kind of do. Um, I think that I think their linebackers and their defense can slow down that offense enough. I the problem is I just don't see how the Bears' offense can do anything against this Saints' defense. I think this Saints' defense is fantastic. But you want to know what? And the NFL is crazy. Playoffs are crazy. These two have a history of meeting in the playoffs. Again, they met in the NFC Championship game the year that the Bears ended up going to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. Uh, that was a fun fun game back in the day. I'm going to say it repeats. Uh, I'll do it. I'll take the Bears to win this game. Wow. Bam, bam, bam. Um, I kind of started putting this together uh, as you were talking, but – the Saints defense is good when it's playing a offense that is structured and continues to play its game all the way up and down the field. And what I mean by saying that is they're good at locking up to def- like receivers one-on-one, right? Their secondary is good. Their defensive line can get pressure and they can wreak havoc and the linebackers are fast enough to cover. And, you know, they're good on the blitz, finishing tackles, whatnot. Here's the thing though. The games that they've lost within their last five against Kansas City and Philadelphia, do you know what the difference was? Like the correlation between it? Huh? Like the correlation between it? No. Yeah, those two teams. It's the fact that the quarterback can escape the pocket and extend plays. And sorry, it was the Chiefs and who? Sorry, who was the other one? Eagles. Oh, Eagles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does because they lost to uh, Jalen Hurts. His first start. His first start. Yep. Yep. And so within that, it's really the concern of like, hey, is Mitchell Trubisky going to be the guy that extends plays and gets out of the pocket and then, you know, hits an Anthony Miller, a Robinson, Cole Komet, you know, Jimmy Graham, the six tight ends that they fucking have. And what, like, how does the New Orleans Saints defense keep up with that? Because, yeah, they can get a pass rush. They can get to the quarterback when he's standing in the pocket because they have enough speed on the edge and power up the middle to kind of collapse the pocket. But the moment the quarterback escapes, you know, we saw Patrick Mahomes do it. He broke Cameron Jordan's ankles in the open field, stepped up and then hit Samuel Watkins on like a 25-yard dart across the middle. And I was like, fuck, you can't stop that. And I'm not saying Mitchell Trubisky is going to be making plays like that, but we've seen him at his best is when he's not in the pocket. You know, when he's extending, rolling to his left, rolling to his right, not necessarily throwing across his body, but getting the ball back towards the middle of the field and allowing his receivers to come down with it and then make a play. And then the way David Montgomery's running the football right now, like he has, I've said it here before. I'm going to say it again. He has finally realized when you run North and South, it is so much easier to do that than running North, deciding to go East or West and then going North again. And, you know, some fields might face east or west, so that doesn't make sense. But I'm talking about it. when you stand on the football field, it's easier to go forward instead of going left to right at the line of scrimmage and to keep going there. Because I have a feeling someone would just come at me and say that. You understand what I'm trying to say, people. Stop being difficult. The New Orleans Saints are favored by 10. This game is in New Orleans, so it is in a dome, so we don't have to really worry about the weather. In New Orleans, anyways, the only concern would really be the rain. Um, it is a concern, though. It is a question mark. And I I don't know why. I just have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of upsets this year in the first round. Like, I just don't think favorites are are going to cut it. And, Teresa, I know you just kind of dabbled into that a little bit, so I'm not trying to take that same take, but I get it. And I know this is something we've talked about for weeks, that this is a possibility that the way Chicago is playing against the Saints or the way Chicago is playing, if they do match up with the Saints in the playoffs, 
there's a possibility they make some noise. Now to the Saints, how does the Chicago Bears defense match up against it with old Michael Thomas coming back? Because he did practice yesterday. Um, he was playing. I believe he is healthy. Like, I think he's pretty much good to go. Like, he's getting practice, warmed up, stretched out, moving again. And I think he is going to be ready by the time the game starts. Um, and they are expecting him to play. So how is Chicago playing? I'm sure they're game planning for that and ready to find a way to kind of slow him down. But the real difference maker is Alvin Kamara. Drew Brees isn't throwing the football down the field. He's just – he can't right now. You know what I mean? And that's not a knock. It's just the truth of what it is for Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara is going to be a big part of this game. And if the Bears want to take anything from it, they need to look at what Kansas City did to chip him coming out of the backfield to slow down him hitting the flats for Drew Brees to drop it off and allowing backside pressure to get there. Um, if Chicago can find a way to do that and match that same type of game plan – there is a possibility their pass rush gets to Drew Brees before he can get the ball out to Alvin Kamara. Or when he does get it to Kamara, he is taking a shot, and the defenders have time to get over there to slow him down. I know I'm talking a lot here, Trace, and I do apologize. But I'm just trying to connect everything here in the favor of Chicago. But then realistically, it's like the Saints have a – excuse me, the Saints have a ton of talent. There's weapons to everyone on both sides of the ball. And they're expected to win for a reason. If things aren't clicking – not going to be a surprise to see Chicago come out of a, come out of New Orleans with a win. Yeah, um, I think one of the big things with Montgomery, which I, maybe I said on this podcast or maybe I just said it to you, is like with Tariq Cohen going down. I think he was he's not pressing as much. Like he doesn't feel like he has to do something huge, and he's just like letting things come to him, which are making it so big plays happen. Um, so I think that unfor- an unfortunate injury to Cohen has been a very good thing for Montgomery in his career. So, um, all right, cool. So there we go. Uh, let's see. We have, we only have two differences overall on the, on the weekend. Then it is the Ravens and Titans game. And then this bear saints game. Those are the two differences we got. So one each day. So we'll be fun to watch. Um, <clears throat> few a few items that have happened over the course of the last 24 hours that we, that I just have to bring up. Um, congratulations, Jacksonville Jaguars, your quarterback officially uh, declared for the draft. So uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, posted a video this morning, thanking Clemson for his time there. And he is now officially going to be in the draft. So that is fantastic news. Um, and then there's been a whole bunch of news coming out. Oh, sorry. And Devonte Smith um, winning the Heisman as well. We, we didn't yes. talk about that last night because it happened like right when we started recording. That's like when, when the presentation was happening. So we didn't bring it up yesterday. We have to make sure fucking awesome that it wasn't a quarterback that won it. I'm first so time pumped. since 1991 um, that a receiver won it. And I believe it was 96 or 97. Uh, it was the last time that a quarterback or running back had not won the Heisman trophy. And that's because Charles Woodson won it that year. So Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson were the two guys that were not a quarterback or running back uh, to win a Heisman um, up until this last year. Fun fact, both those guys went to the University of Michigan. Yes, they did. Um, Let's see. Chan Gailey resigned as the Dolphins OC. There was reports that he got fired, and then there was reports that he didn't get fired, and then he just resigns the next day. Uh, I think that he probably – Honestly, probably saw a lot of Dolphins fans cheering that he got fired, and that probably added on to it. Um, and then you have the whole thing with the Eagles benching Ertz and all the guys, right? Like, 
Hertz. Sorry, I said Hertz. That's the tight end. Anyways, um, so huge deal, right? Like, because like a lot of people are like, yeah, this is bullshit, and like that. The Giants players were going off. Uh, Judge, the head coach, went off the next day in a press conference. And I can see it both ways. Like, I really can. I can see, like, wanting to see what your young guys can do. Like, if you know as a head coach and, and general manager you're coming back next year, it's probably good to see what some young guys can do in a game that literally is like a playoff game because Washington had to win that game. So you were getting the best from Washington. So I could see that so they can understand, like, what are some weaknesses in this team obviously a lot when you're not making the playoffs, but you get my point. What are, what are the biggest weaknesses for what we need to address in free agency in the draft? So I can see it from that side. I also can see from the side of you have a chance to like ruin these guys season by just Mm -hmm. knocking them off. And like your big move was benching Wentz for Hertz. And so like, why are you benching Hertz for Sudfeld? Like to me, that one, that one was hard for me to understand. Like it, it really was like not playing certain guys when they were a little banged up, but in reality, they probably still could have played. Um, sure. I can get that, but Benjamin hurts. Cause like, it's not like you've seen enough from him, right? Like you, I don't think the Eagles can say they've seen enough of like to know exactly what he is, unless mm-hmm. they've seen enough to say he isn't the guy. <laughs> like there's no way they've seen enough to say he is the guy he had two awesome games against the saints and against Arizona, but they still lost the Arizona game. So Mm -hmm. even in the awesome game, they went one and one. And then he's had some subpar games where they, which they lost. So um, interesting to hear all the players kind of coming out and saying like, yeah, there's tons of frustration inside of the locker. I'm sure there was. And I don't know if you saw it, but Jason Kelsey, I believe posted on Instagram, a screenshot of his notes and it was just, you know, he kind of understood what was going on. And there, you know, there was the speculation that Nate Sudfield was going to be getting uh, in game reps because, you know, he's been with the team. They wanted to see him play. He's been there for four years. He deserves some playing time. They want to see what they have. They're a quarterback. Uh, But he did mention himself that, you know, I was kind of surprised in the game situation that we decided to move away from Jalen hurts and put in Nate, uh, when there was, he didn't necessarily say this part, but like when there was still a chance that they could have won that game. And I do believe if Jalen Hurts stays at quarterback uh, and plays the remainder of that game, they do find a way to win. Now, also in saying that, no one, no one in the NFC East felt like they really wanted to win that division. Like it just, you would get to the, you know, the last two, three minutes of the game and it's just turnover galore. I was like, man, we have the ball. We're marching down the field hot potato your turn let's see what you can do oh hot potato right back to us cool guess what back to you and it's just one of those things where it's like back to you jim back to you terry back to you jim and it's just it got confusing and so back to the philadelphia eagles and jason kelsey statement it's you know you do catch it by surprise but you just have to keep rolling what the coaches says and the rest of the starters were playing um so within that it nate sudfield did have an opportunity to lead this team and He just didn't do it. So back to your point as well, Therese, here, what do the Eagles do at quarterback? Because is Jalen Hurts really the guy for you next year? Like, have you really seen enough of Jalen Hurts to be like, yep, we're in an okay position to move on from Carson Wentz's contract uh, that we signed him to, even if he is really willing to renegotiate it in a possible trade, 
because with Jalen Hurts playing that game that he played against Washington, um, or excuse me, yes, it was against Washington, yes, he didn't have over 100 passing yards. He had like 76. That's it. Their, their entire offense is going to change. Like We're not going to see Doug Peterson's offense with a passing quarterback throwing the ball down the field, you know, where Carson Wentz is sitting there holding onto the ball, waiting for his receivers to get open, you know, or get out of their breaks to where he can get the ball out of his hands. It's This is now a read option type of game with Jalen Hurts, but can you trust him to make those throws downfield? His throwing motion does look cleaner. But again, I ask, is is he the guy for next year? Is he truly him? Is it is it Hurts? Yeah, that's going to be one of the funnest things about this offseason is figuring that all out. Um, so many options of where Wentz could end up, right? Like there's so many, but there's not so many because of his contract situation. But obviously there would be negotiations of changing that contract if he was going to get traded, like that was going to happen. But, you know, you got teams like the Colts, obviously, and you got some other teams. Like, I don't know why it keeps coming into my head, but like the Patriots just keep popping up in my head. That like for Carson Wentz, yeah, that he's gonna end up there. Like it just does. It just like it's one of those things. Like if they wanted to get rid of like the uh, Stefan Gilmore contract, which it was reported during the trade deadline that they wanted to, like he's supposed to make I think like sixteen million dollars next year. Like if you swapped those two and and then Wentz or the Eagles eat some of Wentz's contract for this year, so it's almost like the the Eagles have to pay the same amount. But rather than having Wentz on their bench, they get a stud corner on the field. Like I kind of feel like maybe so they that get works. Gilmore and Darius Slay. Yeah. Again, I need to. I actually still need to. It, it literally. And yes, I'm a nerd, and I have a to do list on the side of my laptop of things <laughs> I need to do. And one of them is literally look at contracts for Wentz and Gilmore. So, um, just because I want to see like how that would actually manage and work out. Um, obviously, a lot of things would need to be moved around, but um, it's something that pops into my head a lot. Of like, that just seems like a good fit. Like Wentz with um, McDaniel's and Belichick. It's funny that you bring that up because today on radio, uh, we got to talking about, you know, the Heisman finalists and who was there and with like Mac Jones being in that discussion. I said, you know, every time we bring up Mac Jones or I watch him play, I just, it's him and the New England Patriots every single time. That's like Mac Jones, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And I don't know why, but like ever since I've seen him play and watched him and, you know, saw the picture of him and it's just like, that's a New England guy. Like, that just has Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots written all over it, and I can't get that out of my head. And I brought up the conversation of, like, hey, what if the Patriots find a way to trade Stephon Gilmore to a team and pick up, you know, somehow get a first-rounder for him, and they package their two first rounds to move up in the top ten and seal the deal on getting Mac Jones or one of these quarterbacks? Because I think it's going to be Mac Jones or Trask. Those are going to be the two type of quarterbacks that they're going after. Bill Belichick likes those big, sturdy type of quarterbacks, you know, that can stand in the pocket and get the ball out. We saw with, you know, Cam Newton wanting to run the ball. I think they're starting to realize that offense isn't going to work in that division. These other teams, you know, their defenses or or their offenses have the firepower to get the ball down the field. I know we look at the Jets right now and it's like, ooh, they're going to suck. They're going to figure it out. Joe Douglas is going to get that figured out. I think they give Sam Donald another year. They continue to add weapons and add to that defense. And in three years, we're going to be looking at the Jets like, who? good thing they decided to stick with, you know, 
moving on from Adam Gase and keeping, uh, oh my God, name Sam Donald. Thank you uh, to myself for remembering that because you know, if they do move on from Sam Donald, what if it's the same situation with Ryan Tannehill? And I know I'm going in a giant loop here on just the original statement of Mac Jones to the New England Patriots in the draft. But, you know, Teresa, this is nothing we can get into. If you're the Jets, do you worry that if you move on from Sam Donald, he does go to another team and find that success again? You know, similar to what we saw with Adam Gase. Or, excuse yeah. me, Ryan Tannehill Ryan from Tannehill. Adam Gase to Tennessee. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, that's a – Big, big concern uh, for sure. But I will say like Tannehill had some good years with uh, the Dolphins. Like one of my first Trisivias I did was who had the longest winning streak of quarterbacks. And it was Ryan Tannehill at like 11 games because he had won so many the previous year. And then the Dolphins started off with another few wins. So um, that is the difference there. I think that Darnold can be the guy though. And so I, I do expect them to keep him and just draft a uh, alignment or trade out of that spot for a King's ransom for somebody that wants Justin Fields. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see. Like I'm very excited for draft season to come along and us to really start diving into this stuff. So, all right, cool. It's going to be fun. It is for sure. It is. It is. But before that, we're going to have some fun with some playoff games. And this weekend is going to be fantastic. Can't wait for it. So that does it for us. Everybody enjoy your super wild card weekend. It's going to be a hell of a time. Three games Saturday, three games Sunday. You're going to be beat by Sunday night. You're going to just want to go into bed and lay down and just pass out. Just like you played a game. That's how it goes in playoff time. Cause you just get so excited, especially when your team plays on those weekends. Like that's like, you are just like pumped up. So um, my team's obviously not playing your teams. You know, you get to, you get to play next weekend. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. Um, but that does it for us tonight. Does it for this week. We'll be back with two episodes next week. We love all of you. It's night. We've been talking to you.